Hi, and welcome to On and Off, our podcast covering the on-premise and off-premise beverage alcohol industry. I'm Melissa Dowling, editor of Cheers. And I'm Kyle Swartz, editor of Beverage Dynamics Magazine. Today, we're going to be talking about rum, and for that, we have a special guest joining us, our colleague, Marina Velez. Marina is the research director, data and insights for the Beverage Information and Insights Group. Yeah, we like to have Marina on when we're discussing some of the spirit categories, since she has the data from producing our handbooks. And she's also quite fond of rum and Mm. very particular about her rum drinks. So don't even think about serving her some frozen berry concoction if she orders a classic daiquiri. <laughs> and we're not even going to talk about mojitos. Just don't go there. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Thank you guys for having me. Um, it's a pleasure. And yes, um, uh, I can be very particular when it comes to my uh, mojitos and daiquiris for sure. I believe I've seen you send one back at a restaurant before, or am I making that up? You know, I'm not going to confirm nor deny. (laughs) That's a yes. (laughs) All right. So why don't we start with some data on rum consumption and and what it's doing right now? Sure. So um, some overall category um, highlights from our um, 2023 liquor handbook on the rum category so the volume consumption for rum in 2022 was down almost 3%. Rum was one of seven categories that actually did not achieve category growth last year. But it still holds about 8% of the distilled spirits segment. So it defended its standing as the sixth largest spirits category. In 2021, interestingly, it, the, the category had been surpassed by the tequila segment, which is on fire. But honestly, a lot of the spirits categories, if you were not tequila or ready to drink or the whiskey segments, they had a challenging year in 2022 for sure. Uh, On a positive note, uh, the top three category leaders in rum, Bacardi, Captain Morgan, and Malibu, they still rank within our top 20 uh, leading 150 distilled spirits that we track. Um, so they're, um, Bacardi and Captain Morgan are on uh, number six and number nine, respectively. So that's a positive note. And we're still seeing uh, rum acquisitions in the industry as well. You know, uh, Diageo bought Don Papa in January, uh, shortly after Brown Foreman acquired Diplomatico rum, which is, you know, shout out to Diplomatico, I think maybe my favorite rum. Uh, Pernod Ricard said in October that it was going to increase its minority stake in the company that makes the Caribbean bamboo rum. So, you know, there, there's still obviously opportunities for growth here. I was wondering if you had any thoughts, Marina, on what the opportunities of growth were. Yeah. So interestingly, so when we look at the data, I mean, we do a category development index. And so rum has the potential to grow in like over half of the states. So there's so much potential there. You have the younger segments to tap into. We have some data that shows us, you know, millennials out of all the different you know, segments, generational segments, they favor the rum category the highest. It's about 42% with the younger millennials slightly more engaged. So we have definitely a lot of room for improvement. You know, for years, we've been hearing that rum is going to take off, rum is going to take off. And certainly there is indications that the category has that potential. Like I said, it has, as has been a lot of categories, been challenged by the, the boom in the RTD category and, and the tequila category. Right. I think what 
those recent acquisitions that Kyle mentioned show us is that, you know, there's a lot of interest in the sort of smaller premium brands that, you know, the bigger companies want to add to their portfolios. I mean, Brown Foreman didn't have any realm before acquiring Diplomatico late last year. So I think, you know, like Marina said, we've been talking about it's rum, it's going to be rum's turn, you know, any year now, this is going to be it. But I think, you know, those recent acquisitions in a short period of time show that, you know, the interest is there and that premiumization will continue. So another part of that is all of the different cask finishes that the brands are coming out with, like Bacardi has done a couple with sherry casks and rye cask. Mount Gay is, you know, the master blender collection with Madeira wine cask. Pedro Jimenez sherry casks. There's there's, there's so many other ones that it, it, it's kind of mind boggling, but that's that's also where the innovation and interest is. Yeah. And I think, you know, with the innovation and the interest, as you mentioned, some of these acquisitions, you know, you're seeing them with like the smaller rum brands that have a little more of a backstory and heritage. And so that it's almost like the, you know, a couple of years ago with the whiskey. And so you see that contributing to the premiumization where people are interested in that backstory. They're interested in, in connecting with that brand on a much more higher level, if you will. And so I think some of these acquisitions, you know, are are speaking to that. Right, right. Another area is is flavored rum, which we haven't seen that much of in recent years. I mean, Bacardi had come out with the lime in 2019 and then a tropical flavor in 2021. And they just launched the mango chili, I think, this past May, which... Mango chili, that's a compound flavor, Kyle, if you didn't know that. That's two flavors in one. Thank you. Is it hyphenated, <laughs> being a compound flavor? We've got some editor jokes here. <laughs> what else? Don Q just came out with the Naranja, which is orange, if you didn't know okay, that. Okay, can, can I just interrupt? It's Naranja. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm glad it wasn't me, the one who had to try to pronounce that. I, know, I, showed I was that like, Kyle looking at our notes, I was like, oh, I, I hope that's not my question. <laughs> anyway, it's, it, it's uh, yeah, we're just seeing more interest in the flavors. Um, there's a couple other ones. Sometimes they're like special edition, things like that. You know, Captain Morgan, they've done a couple specials, sliced mm -hmm. apple and a cherry vanilla, another compound flavor, Kyle. Um, <laughs> Thank they you. also, I'm learning on this podcast too. I don't know. <laughs> listeners, it's not just you who learns when we do these, you know, the host can learn in real time too. Anyway, Captain Morgan had a couple of flavors that they launched and there's one that I'm not sure if they still do. It was a grapefruit rum that sounds kind of weird. Um, but it was really good and I don't see it on their website. So I wonder if they still have that. Did it come in a grapefruit bottle? I know sometimes their bottles are shaped like the flavor within. No, no. It was just the, it was a tall, skinny bottle. There were three white rums that were flavored, like pineapple, probably coconut, and then the grapefruit. That sounds like a mismarketing opportunity to me. You know it. So let's, let's move on to. Well, I, I just wanted to bring up one premium brand I always like to bring up for rum. And uh, Marina was making an excellent point when she was talking about how uh, younger consumers in particular really like the authenticity of products. But I always like to bring up 10 to one rum, mm -hmm. uh, which was founded a number of years ago by a young entrepreneur whose name now escapes me. I apologize. 
Ciara, the performer, bought a uh, portion of the brand, and now she co-owns the brand with the founder. And again, these are uh, you know two uh, young, successful individuals with their rum brand here. And the 10 to 1 talks about the authenticity of Barbados. The name itself references Barbados. So you know, an authentic rum, a premium rum, really taps into a lot of the trends uh, that are driving the category right now. And 10 to 1, I think of as a rum that sort of represents the modern style and sort of where the industry, uh, where the rum industry is going in the future as well. Right. I think the other thing about rum that always comes up is it's mixability, but it's Mm. not in cocktails, but it's not just with mixers. It's combining other types of rum, which you don't really see that as much with other spirits, you know, combining different vodkas or gins Mm. or, you know, a little bit with whiskey, but, you know, you, you can... A lot of the tiki drinks will mix different mm. types and styles of rum. So I think that's unique to the category. And, you know, to that point, 10 to 1 has a white rum as well, a premium white rum uh, made specifically for mixing. I also want to say the uh, the founder of that brand was Mark Farrell. Apologies uh, yeah. to Mark, who I've met before and is a wonderful individual who has a wonderful product. So a couple of months ago, now I'm forgetting, but Marina and I were actually in New York at an event that Appleton Estate had mm. did his the 17-year-old legend rum that the master blender Joy Spence had kind of recreated from recipes and I think samples from the Jay Ray and Nephew's 17-year. And this is the rum that they used in the original Mai Tai recipe, Trader Vic's, you know, back in the 1940s. So they, they just did 100, I think 1,500 bottles worldwide. So we got to taste it and then we also had it in a daiquiri there and it was such an amazing cocktail in rum i just i was so happy that we got to experience that yeah Yeah, and they actually had a couple of different um cocktails a a daiquiri was one of them actually melissa but um so again that was a even though it's you know a limited exclusive offering again uh, speaking to that premiumization of the high end, because if you were lucky enough to get that bottle, I mean, you were looking at a suggested retail price of five hundred dollars per bottle. Sadly, yeah. we were not sent a sample bottle. Um, <laughs> yeah, another, you know, area of premiumization, and the, the thing with rum, is, as Marina was alluding to, is that why is it not growing as much as tequila? Why is it not growing as much as whiskey? The two categories that are red hot right now. To answer that question, I think some of the whiskey brands, or I should say some of the corporations that own both a whiskey brand and a rum brand, you're starting to see more whiskeys finished in rum. Uh, This has become more of a thing in the last couple of years. For instance, uh, Boss Hog from Whistlepig did a rum finish recently. Wild Turkey Voyage Series just had came up with one finish in a Jamaican rum cask. And Bardstown Bourbon Company just did a bourbon that was finished in a plantation rum cask, uh, which I thought, honestly, of the three was maybe the best. That one was delicious. So we do see more whiskey brands now finishing their products in rum, and that could be a a effort there by the companies that own all of these brands to sort of introduce more whiskey drinkers to rum, which is a delicious and underrated category, obviously. And think about tequila even five or six years ago before tequila really took off. You know, I I know I always use that TJ Douglas quote, but, you know, all whiskey drinkers are tequila drinkers. They just don't know it yet. Well, now they know it. So maybe all whiskey drinkers are rum drinkers and they just don't know it yet. You know, maybe that interest in premium craft rums is right around the corner and products like those three whiskeys I just mentioned that are finished in rum, perhaps that'll help lead the charge into a um, bigger interest in rum, again, especially among younger consumers. Yeah, Kyle. So, I mean, even another whiskey brand that we had tried, Angel's Envy, 
as one of their their whiskey brands finished. Excellent point. Caribbean barrel, but I, yeah, their, I think- their rye, that was a real uh, pioneer in terms of just whiskey finishes in general. Angel's Envy rye finished in rum was uh, one of the first mass produced and mass. I don't know what to say. Well-loved mass liked. It was one of the first really <laughs> popular cask finished whiskeys. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I think you're right. I mean, so, you know, the whiskey bourbon category has done a good job of focusing on that, the high end and the quality, the sipping. And the interesting thing is, you know, the the rum category has a lot of brands that are just as high end and just quality and, and premium for sipping. And you have uh, the different aged rums, and they're actually probably at, at much, you know, lower price points, right? And so you can have a really good experience as a sipping rum and, and not necessarily be paying, you know, what you might be for a bourbon. Yeah, this is what I tell my whiskey drinker friends all the time, that the deals are in rum. If you want to get a really high-end spirit at a very reasonable price, buy rum. I mean, I got a $30 bottle of rum the other day, single barrel, $30 bottle of rum from Barrel Company, and it's delicious. It's as good as anything on my shelf. It really is. 30 bucks. Absolutely. (laughs) I think another thing is that some of the classic rum drinks are starting to get the respect they deserve, whereas they've been dismissed for a long time as, you know, cheeky drinks or girly drinks or whatever. But, you know, I, I mentioned the Mai Tai, the original, there's a lot of bad Mai Tais out there. I mean, even a bad Mai Tai is, is kind of a good Mai Tai, in my opinion. But, you know, they, I don't think the original used any pineapple juice. It was really designed to let the rum shine through. So if you make it properly with the best rum you can get your hands on, it's a totally different drink than you know, you might get at a beach bar and same with the daiquiri. You know, I think we talked last time about the daiquiri test and, you know, if, if a bar can't make a good classic daiquiri, you know, you better just order a beer or something. Incidentally, July 19th, this past July was the 125th birthday or anniversary of the daiquiri. Hmm. So and I, I think it's daiquiri. I've always grew up saying daiquiri, but is it I not daiquiri? All I've I think heard it's is daiquiri, daiquiri, but yeah. <laughs> well, we don't how, know. How did you celebrate the 125th anniversary? You know, I found out about it after the fact, so I will have to celebrate it this weekend. It's never too late. It's well, you know, late. it's August is rum month. We celebrate it all. Mm. Yes, that's that's true. I'm working on rum cocktails right now. Wasn't there was it was Rum Day last week, I believe. Maybe last yes. Tuesday. I'm it, trying it to remember. It was Wednesday. It was Wednesday. Wednesday. And uh, so it's interesting because, you know, you have, yeah, you have so many. The mojito is pretty much always ranking like within the top. It's usually like the number one or number two uh, cocktail. You know, you have the daiquiri, pina colada, rum coke. So honestly, I mean, you know, in terms of, of must-haves, rum is is there for, you know, all these you know, beverage programs for the on-premise, but I mean, just elevating, you know, Melissa, like you said earlier, just, you know, focusing, you know, we, we joked around me being very particular about my drinks, but a lot of times it's not showcasing that rum. Oh, it was no joke. Exactly. But, you know, so, so that, that is my, my concern is that, you you know, the drink is not showcasing the, Mm. the rum. So, and, you know, the uh, other thing about all those cocktails is they're all sweet. And Americans drink sweet. You know, that's why sweet wine always does well, the sweeter wine mm-hmm. styles. That's why bourbon does so well, because bourbon is the sweetest of the whiskeys. 
Americans drink sweet. I'm surprised they don't drink more rum, or maybe they will in the future. Uh, just yeah. for our listeners who obviously this is not being posted the day we recorded it. When we say last Wednesday, we're talking about August 16th is National Rum Day, uh, which I know thanks to social media. That's how I find out what all the days are. And just that day, my social media was exploding with rum stuff. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you guys have been seeing this too, but Pepsi is making a big push for rum and Pepsi. Hmm order calls um you know because it's a rum and it's always a rum and coke even like rum and cola doesn't sound right so rum and pepsi rum and pepsi interesting i always think i mean they're both very sweet but i always think of pepsi as being the sweeter of the two i could be wrong yeah, yeah i think you're right i think so i can always tell in those um mm. you know side by side tests because i grew up drinking pepsi now i drink coke i don't really drink much soda but Anyway, I think we're just about out of time before we get on another cocktail rant. Long <laughs> rant about soda here. I was, I was <laughs> or gearing... soda rant. Yeah, you could feel it starting. You're in up here, but you're probably right. When we're talking soda, it's time to wrap up the alcohol podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Marina, for joining us. The Liquor Handbook is out now, among other handbooks. It, it is. It is. So the uh, wine handbook is also out, and. Uh, Stay tuned for in two weeks, the um, our beer report for 2022 will be up. And where can people find these wonderful publications? Uh, they can go on to our website at Beverage Information Group or EPG Specialty Information. Our boss, Jeremy, famously makes us cookies every time he comes to visit. And he came to visit the office last week and he brought us all cookies. Uh, and Marina, he said, if you had any leftovers, you do have to give them to me. It's a, uh, assuming that there were leftovers. <laughs> I don't think I have any left either. I know now we're getting into cookies. They're very, very delicious. My wife ate most of them. I she she eats them before they hit the uh, the table. I swear to God. And thanks but to everybody. The, who... the side piece of that is that the cookies do have they're infused with spirits. Yes, delicious, delicious cookies. Our boss makes and Marina and I always fight over because they're very, very good. And thanks to everybody out there for listening to another episode of On and Off. And please do join us next time. And we'll be talking about yet another fascinating topic that spans the retail and restaurant worlds. Until then, cheers. 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 Thank you for having me. If you enjoyed the On and Off podcast, please hit the subscribe button. Also, you can find more great content at cheersonline.com and beveragedynamics.com, including recipes, product reviews, and interviews with the movers and shakers of the beverage alcohol industry. You can also sign up for our free weekly e-newsletter for both publications on our websites. Cheers. Cheers.